Hello and welcome to the Middle Earth in Mercia podcast, episode 14, Ash from Brush the Battlefields. Hello everyone and welcome back. This is the Middle Earth in Mercia podcast. I'm once again uh, your host Sonny and I'm here back today uh, with my co-host Ash. Say hello Ash. Hi everyone. And uh, yeah, a man of a few words as usual. <laughs> um, as you've been aware he's had a bit of a hiatus which has just been like mainly our clashing schedules. We haven't fallen out or anything. We're still doing our best to meet up for, for games and uh Having a bit of a chat about the hobby. We've become a little bit of sidetracked with, with Kill Team and 40k uh, of late. But yeah, we've found an afternoon and we've decided to meet up and do a bit of a, a recap of uh, Ash's year in hobby and get him involved in some of the conversations we've been having with you all. So uh, I guess the first thing, Ash, is like, you know, What's your hobby status? Have you been doing any Lord of the Rings or you've been focusing on other things? So yeah, mainly been focusing on the 40k kill team stuff. So I haven't really touched any Middle Earth stuff for since I finished my Riders of Fearden army off. Um, so probably looking into the new year, start looking at new armies, maybe build up a new army for this year's tournament scenes um, and hopefully have a better look with that new army. And how are you finding that? Because like I found stepping away and doing different models, at, which although they're technically the same scale, they are a different scale, aren't they? Um, yeah, I think Space Marines is what I'm painting a lot of at the minute. Hmm. And it, they just take so much longer to paint than the Middle Earth models because you can't quite use contrast paint methods as so you can't speed paint them as effectively. And then you've got to do all the lines and the layering and stuff. Hmm. So it just... And it's quite tedious because they're all the same, whereas with Middle-earth you don't really need to have them all matching like you would in a Space Marine unit. But yeah, it's taken a bit longer to paint those than to get an army ready, so are that's you, taken up all my time. Are you feeling a bit refreshed to come back to Lord of the Rings? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, now we've tried 40k and we we enjoy it and we've sort of settled into the rules a bit, we can start mixing up playing different games each time we meet. We're not having to put our energy in learning those rule sets. Yeah, I've got to say, like, doing army after army and, like, getting a full collection and competitive play, I do think that is Lord of the Rings for me. But I do like having a wheelhouse I can rotate around. I find it refreshing. Like, I, I not to put people down, I find it impressive that people have that level of dedication that they can do Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings constantly. Um, but I just I don't find I'm one of those people. Yeah, I think sometimes a change is better than a rest. Mm. It's good to just switch it up a bit. And yeah, I was telling you earlier, I've just got all my 40k models out of the boxes and it's just my display cabinet looks like a pile of grey shame. So <laughs> just got to get those painted. It just, yeah, just the time factor. It takes so long to paint one unit compared mm. to probably painting a whole army in the time I've taken to paint a unit, a five-man unit of Space Marines. So... Mm. It's yeah, it's good to have a refresh, but yeah, looking into the new year, probably do a new army and at least get a new army up and running so that I can just focus on painting 40k 
and play in Middle Earth. Mm. So before we move on to sort of the year ahead and plans, I guess what I think would be interesting for the listeners, because they've obviously heard my journey, which is uh, I'm sort of into year three or year two and a half, depending on where you want to count it from. Um, But for you, like this was almost like a true fresh start for you for the year. So, I, I mean, at the beginning of the year, you didn't you didn't have a fully painted army, did you? I did, because we played our first tournament around this time last year. Oh, okay, in, in the January. Yeah. But, okay, but, you know, preceding it... Preceding it, that, no. That was your first I, I got back off my holiday and had about 15 Royal Guard to paint when I got back, so within the space of a week. So, yeah, it wasn't until that tournament I had my first ever fully painted army in any... Any game setting. Yes, which is... it was a running joke that we mm, had, wasn't it? That. Which is a big change for you. Yeah. So, yeah, so we can really take you from that fresh point. And I think, like, the the podcast has always been the intent, at least, in, like, you know, maybe down the road when we're more experienced players, it becomes something else. But in these first few seasons, has been for people new to the hobby and looking to get into it. Like, it doesn't mean people who aren't experienced hands can't listen to us. But that's something I've always wanted to explore um, because we've always wanted to encourage people to go to tournaments. So let's delve into that then, your year in review of tournament plan and Lord of the Rings. I guess maybe the logical... Um, let's think. So, let, 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 yeah, let's do an old classic. You know, what's been your best moment, uh, hobby moment of the year? Um, and what's been your worst? I think my best moment, obviously, was the first win, mm. and that came in a tournament where I finished fifth, mm. which was which was nice. It took me a while to get over that hurdle of getting that first sort of win. I got a, I got a draw, but it didn't feel quite the same as getting a win. So, definitely getting over that hurdle of a win then unlocked a few more wins. And as I played my list more and more in the tournaments against different lists, mm. I sort of understood its strengths and weaknesses a lot lot better I, I think the fact you it did take you a little while which i think is a valuable lesson for uh those of you who are looking to start out or are starting out and maybe don't have that first win is it did drag you down a bit didn't it but yeah. I, I said to you it was going to come it's just a matter of time yeah and i think my advice for someone would be pick a list that's got variety mm. and not my list obviously is very heavily cavalry focused doesn't have a lot of variety. It's very much hammer and anvil style play. Mm. There's not a lot of shooting in it. There's not a lot of abilities magic wise. You do have a fair amount of shooting, to be fair. Yeah, I uh, guess. Yeah. But it's it's. I get what you mean. You you, you have to sacrifice a bit of your maneuverability so you can mm. shoot, obviously. And then the throwing spears obviously very very lethal, mm. but you have to get within that distance. If you come up against certain lists, you sort of get. A bash back a bit because you you can't get within that range if you've got a cavalry list that you're facing. Mm. Cavalry versus cavalry, it tends to fall apart a bit because you can't get within nine, mm. throw a few spears for a few rounds and then charge in after you've sort of weakened the numbers. Mm. And I think it's very position-based as well. If you get in the wrong position and you lose that roll-off and you, you don't have the chance to... to uh, do a heroic move. It can be very it, all or nothing. Yeah, yeah, it can be a very all or nothing. And you don't have 
very strong like leader. Mm-hmm. I think Fearden is a great leader. He gives a lot of us, but he's, he doesn't give you that strength factor that if you get him in the wrong place, you could lose him pretty easily. Mm. I, I do sort of view your army as a bit... Maybe it's not the perfect analogy in terms of... It, it is a very broad attack, but like sort of like a scalpel when you're opening a cardboard box, like a package you've got. If you approach that package cutting it open with a scalpel in the wrong way, you could very easily break the blade. And yeah, there are a couple of ways you can cut the tape or whatever, but it's not an axe, is it? Where yeah. no yeah. matter how you swing it, you're getting into that box. Um, you can do it very efficiently and you can do it in an excellent manner, but it is a skill. It is a highly skilled list, I think. Yeah, it's very, like, like I said, position-based. If you get in the mm. wrong position... It's very hard to get out of that position quick mm. enough to not get punished by your opponent. Mm. So that's your your highest moment, the win, which yeah, I remember when me and Chris uh, went to um, uh, doubles at Warhammer World, getting our first win. I was like super giddy because um, it's it's almost like a confirmation of like you know the practice you've put in at home, you know, um, like a bit of imposter syndrome really, but you're not in a you're not in a position yet in that like confirmation of oh I do actually have some talent I am actually capable of meeting uh, beating someone that's not my mate yeah and yeah. I think that day it just seemed to all link together and I I lost the first game and I always seem to get my first game against someone they take the, their hoodie off or something and they've got a GB England <laughs> top on and I'm like okay here we go again <laughs> And so I lost that first game, but then I I won the second, and then the third, and then the fourth. So it was like it was like a domino effect. As soon as I got over that mental, I mean, barrier, then finished well, on quite a strong tournament. As I recall, you did better than me. Yeah, I did. Uh, and yeah. and you got fifth. So yeah, yeah, not that I'm the benchmark, but no. traditionally in games, Ash has had a hard time against me. So doing better than me, which I think that's the first and only time you did better, uh, and getting your first win. An excellent day. So that's an understandable high for you. What about a low? And maybe it's not a single moment, but what, what's been most challenging or, you know? I think a low for me is getting cheated out of easy rules that I should have remembered myself. Mm. And see people saying, no, no, you don't play it that way. You play it this way. And not having that confidence to say to the TO, or oh, can you come over and just mm. give a ruling on this? Yeah. And that was my low because there were so many times in games where that turned the tide and then I just left the game with a bit of a bit of feeling and mm. I like even compared to I got a wooden spoon at one of the tournaments, but even then that wasn't a low point compared to that feeling of being cheated out of a game because you sort of get taken advantage of sometimes as a newbie. Yeah, I mean, I want to delve into this on a topic a little bit later on in the podcast, but just for some context here, I do think there is, like, there's by cheated, I, I think Ash means like you can cheat yourself out, the other player can cheat you out. There's many different reasons rules can be interpreted wrong. Sometimes you've got somebody that's willfully playing a rule wrong, and they are few and far between. I think what is more common is people accidentally playing a rule incorrectly and inexperience of both players leading to that being accepted. And I think that one particularly is a hard pill to swallow. I've done that and it's something that I've spoken about before of if in doubt, 
do just ask to see the rules pack. Do uh, uh, do just ask to see the rule book. Do just ask the TO to come over. Because, um, yeah, that is a really glum feeling. And I'm, yeah. I'm still doing that. Um, not last tournament, but the tournament before. Um, so, yeah, I'm getting up into reasonable numbers of tournaments. And I still did that. And it is... It's hard to overcome because you don't want to feel like, oh, I'm being difficult yeah. or I'm accusing this person of cheating because it's not always that. Sometimes it's just, look, I don't know this rule out and out and I'd like to make sure it's correct. And I do think that's, it's over politeness and we need to get over it and and yep. accept, an accepting player is not going to have a problem with that. Yeah. And yeah. I think as a newbie, you feel a bit like, oh, well, this guy's obviously played quite a few games mm. before he 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 knows the rules I'll just go on what he says when instead of trusting your gut sort of thing I think one that I stood, stood out to me and we'll go into it in more detail later is someone took out my banner in the first round of shooting mm. because they said they had line of sight when because my horses weren't blocking the line of sight even though my bases were and I guess that could be interpreted as well. You do have line of sight, but we've always played it. If the if the base is in the way, then well, it's the model, isn't it? Yeah. Which, from the way you described to me, it was very unlikely that were models not yeah. in the way. And I have had to think about that, particularly because of who that player was, and it's somebody that is jostling for position in the GBHL. I don't think they cheated you out of a game, but the more I think about it, I think they were che- they were trying to game for VPs. Yeah. Because I think particularly at that high level, and I do think this is one of the things that maybe does drive people that are on the competitive end to maybe do things that are questionable that they maybe wouldn't ordinarily do in a game against their mate, is that they're, you know, when you've got 40 people or 60 people all jostling for the top five positions, VPs are so important and I, yeah, we, yeah. We, we get onto that bit, more. Yeah, but, in the tournaments, yeah. because they're based on that VP amount. Yeah. If you've got someone who wins four games and it ends up on the VP amount, yeah, I can imagine the VPs really do count when you're at that top. Yeah, and, and even at less competitive ones, like when I got second at Grantham, I got that on VPs. If I'd got less VPs, I would have come third. Yeah. If I'd got more VPs, I would have come first. Um, so, yeah. Right. So, that's your highs and lows. Um, we are going to get on to the fair play discussion later on because I think that is for your year in review and your first year. Like, you guys have all heard me talk about it a lot. But I think Ash has got this really, well, I guess not unique perspective, but it's a unique moment in time for you, isn't it? Your, your first year. Yeah. And I, I, I think particularly for our listener base, that's interesting. So that's your highs and lows. Any like, we've, got, we've gone on maybe a, a, a downside. Any moments of like games that really leap out to you, cool moments you can remember? Uh, like, you know, maybe it wasn't a game you walked away from winning, but just like, oh, that was really cool. You know, those kind of things that got us into yeah, war Yeah, I've had a couple of games where it's just been like the opponent, you've seemed to gel with them, you get on well mm. with them, and you're both just laughing and just getting on, getting really into the game. And mm. I think it was in the last the last time we went to, my last game, and it was just like so back and forth, back and forth. Like he would do something that would like annihilate like something quite quickly or I would do something and it was like dice when your dice rolls are like you're needing certain dice rolls and they're not quite coming out or they're coming out and mm. 
I think that sort of thing, when you get an opponent that you gel with, you can really just settle in and enjoy the game and yeah. play it how it's sort of meant to be played. Yeah, um, I, I, I've, I've always said I do think wargaming, because it's not chess, like, you know, with chess, you've got a knight. You know exactly what a knight can do. Yeah. And we do have rules, but then we've got unusual bits of terrain. You know, you've got people using different measuring e- e- equipment. You've got people translating it from a different language. There needs to be a spirit of goodwill in this game, doesn't there? And of playing the rules as intended. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's very important. Yeah, and yeah. When, even when you're on like a losing streak, like God, I, I had some bad tournaments towards the end of the year where I was really questioning my progress in the game. But when you've got a, uh, an opponent who can be like, yeah, that was unlucky, man. I'm, I'm there with you. That was unlucky. It makes it better rather than, you know, like somebody gloating for... Yeah, it's things yeah. like people like big heroes failing courage tests or yeah. you're not, <laughs> you need a like times. a three and you end up rolling a one or something and... Mm they get a bit gloaty about it and you just it just gives you a bit of a bad taste whereas mm. when they're like oh that's unlucky and or even like the vice versa when you do something really well and they're not like sour about something good happening for you mm. i think yeah when you get a good opponent it it does really make their game enjoyable and i would say 8 times out of 10 i've had good good opponents yeah, yeah. I mean, now that we always circle back round to that when we offer a, a negative, is that we aren't. I don't think we're negative people, and I don't think we have a negative uh, opinion of the game or anything. We're just trying to offer to uh, offer a balance. You know, when you praise something, when you say something is good, that praise is only really worthwhile because you're willing to point out what is bad, and you know. I, I, we've all got that friend. I mean, maybe that friend is sat with me now where, you know, there's some things you don't like about them. But on the whole, they're a good friend. <laughs> well, I think you get rid of friends that you don't like. So. <laughs> oh, I'm still here, Ash. <laughs> uh, you haven't done it very well. Um, so, yeah. What next? Um, favourite tournament? Did you have a favourite tournament this year? It's a tough one. I think it's biased because I, I came quite I did quite well in it, but I think the <laughs> one at Boarding Brum was quite a good one mm. because Boarding Brum the sort of board setup was quite quite good. Mm. It wasn't too theme based, but it was also quite um, quite set up for like war gaming mm. and, and quite immersive. It made you it made the game feel a bit more immersive. It wasn't just like someone had stuck random buildings here and there. Yeah. Um, and probably the last one was quite a good one, I think. Um, was that? The one in uh, was that Wickham. T- t- Tom's, Tom's one, one in High yeah. Wickham. Yeah, I've just I've just done the not long ago done the tournament review on that. Um, I think that was probably my. Although in terms of like enjoyment of like oh this was my happiest moment, it's got to be Grantham. Yeah. Um, because that was high. But in terms of the best tournament I went to, I think that probably was the best tournament of the year. Yeah. Um, it yeah I, I won't go over it again but it, in my review it was just like it struck all the right notes it was affordable good tables comfortable place good facilities good parking um you know you've got to really be reaching to the like get your tickets now this is unbelievable to do better than that i i think it got some i think i gave it something like an 8.4 or 8.5 out of 10 it did pretty well yeah i think if you get a good 
set up like in a good game store mm. in a town centre location um, with good scenery that where people of the community do support a lot. I think with scenery as well, don't they, for these things? Mm. And obviously the game stores do. If you get that level then and a good TO, you get a good tournament out of it. Mm. Um, it's when you're playing on like a, a board that doesn't even have like a proper a map down. It's just a yeah. piece of MDF. That's it, which is the, it's fun playing the game. Yeah. It's just you don't have that immersive feel that is meant to be there with with wargaming. Yeah, the, the which is few and far between. I think they only happened up maybe one. I think yeah, I think yeah. yeah. And in general, yeah, yeah. in general, I think it is a rule of the GBHL that everything must be terrained. I think in that instance, it was just. Um, uh, something fell through in, in terms yeah. of the planning. But yeah, okay, so we've, yeah. Now, one of the things that I sort of pointed out in my first year that I thought was really good was, and I'm talking not in terms of like Facebook and the internet and things we've read, but the community um, and people that you meet. I felt that was a really big positive in, in my first year um, because... Like I, I get, tend to get on with people most places I go. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, <It's> news. <laughs> but um, yeah, sharp. <laughs> but I was a little bit apprehensive because although I tend to be decent in social situations, I it's like one of those things I forced myself to learn. I, it's not I don't necessarily... Yeah, if I were to say what is one of the things I hate doing, it's going to a room full of people um, that have all got their own cliques and things and meeting them. Um, I am always apprehensive about that and I have to make myself do it. I think the same is probably yeah, true yeah. for yourself. I always think I'm more comfortable presenting to like a thousand people than I am speaking to people sort of one-on-one. Mm. Um, so that, that was a bit of a hampre- apprehension to me is that meeting new people obviously meeting experienced people within the game. Mm. Um, yeah. And tournaments and things, especially with 40k, they get a bit of a bad rap for being quite sweaty. Mm. Um, but so far I haven't really found that. Um, so yeah, that was a big apprehension is, is meeting those new people and, and talking to people because I'm not the most socially, <laughs> socially, um, adapt sort of person we, th- we think he's undiagnosed <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but yeah in the end it just you just settle in don't you and mm. you, as you start a lot because the scene's quite quite small on terms of scale of other scenes mm. you sort of start seeing the same faces and you, you have a catch up when you go and yeah there's like a there's like a, a local regional and then national isn't there like if you go to the GBHL 100 you're probably going to see the people chasing the league if you go to your local 90 you're probably going to see your local uh, um, your local competitive players and if you go to an 80 you're probably going to see people mostly from that specific region aren't you yeah and I think one thing I learned over the year is 80s and 90s are more enjoyable mm. I think the 100 is where you start to get that that clickiness because you're getting some of the top players who all team to click together and I mean it's more of that there's more of a competitive feel to the hundreds than I've, I've found at the one the 80 de- and the 90 definitely we've only been to one 100 now I haven't gotten around to doing the tournament review yet on that but yeah 
we had, I, I mean, I came away with a bit of success, which I won't go into in case I managed to get the tournament review done. Um, so it wasn't like it was, oh, lose, lose, lose. Um, but yeah, the lists are certainly very different. There's a lot more less, there's a lot more um, negative experience lists. I think that makes a big difference. I the, think I had quite a negative experience at the tournament as well. Yeah. Which I, probably put a damper on it for me. Save, save that to later. Yeah, but, I'll yeah. save that to later, yeah. But yeah, I played, um, what's his name, of, of Bear Gaming. Uh, James? James. I played James. Lovely bloke. I would count him as a as a personal friend. I played his list to that GPHL 100. I love playing against James. I'm hoping we can organise a, a social game doubles it's something i'm talking to them about with soon um he's a great bloke enjoyed playing him there was nothing negative he added to the game but oh my god playing his assault on uh um assault on helm's deep was one of the worst enjoyment games i've ever played so that just sort of shows that if someone is playing a negative experience get uh list and you are unlucky on the scenario you can be playing someone that you love playing against and still have a really bad time yeah because we're going to the detail of it, but I ended up playing that list three times on that weekend. <laughs> Not just I played James once and mm. another bloke twice. Yeah, and yeah, when it all prevailed, it turned out I wasn't even meant to play a song. Yeah, Helms Deep the first time, but mm. we'll cover that in more detail later. But yeah, yeah, I played that list three times against the cavalry list. Yeah, and it was just it's a lot. It's a lot. I would like put the other side of the coin in there, in that I. Played probably the most talented player I've played all year, just based on past experience, Alistair King at that event, who uh, I believe he's part of uh, the GBHL executive. He's 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 tried to win the league before. I don't know whether he has won or not. He might have, but he's won a lot of games. He's placed really well. And he was one of the nicest people I played uh, all year. He was playing um, uh, host of the Dragon Emperor. So, you know, a competitive list. But one that I feel comfortable against. And we had a really good game. Again, I did lose in the end, but I gave him a good showing. And um, he was nice as pie. So, you know, uh, it, there's more than one figure that makes up the formula. You know, there, there's the player, there's the intent of the player, there's the goodwill in the game. And then there's also the list they're bringing. So just a, a bit of balance there. Um, he was really nice to play against. I, I had a great time. Um, so... We've, uh, yeah, we, we, we've talked about sort of people. So on the whole, you would say it was a positive experience. Yeah, I've, social I've enjoyed it and it, it, it's playing more games, so you mm. can't complain. Yeah. Like you get four games in at a week, on a weekend when you struggle sometimes and it's that, that forcing you to put that date in to play games. So mm. that, I think that side is positive. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I don't think like everybody you walk up to is like, oh, we should be friends and you'll come chat with us. Like people do tend to go back to their groups and stuff like that. But I would say there's a higher proportion of people that are open to being friendly and, you know, being like, oh, I saw you at that tournament and, you know, catching up. Like, you know, I, I, do you get what I'm saying? It's not yeah. like everybody you meet is like, let's exchange numbers. But I do think there is a higher proportion of people at, tournaments that are looking to make friends and make connections and things like that which i think is nice yeah and i think people like comment on your painting of your list if you if you've mm. got a good a well-painted list mm. people will say oh that, that looks cool how did you paint that and stuff mm. and it just opens up conversations with new people and mm. even on that side of things you learn people's techniques of painting or basing their models yeah. and stuff yeah. 
I've certain um, I've certainly seen some stuff that I've taken home and been yeah. home and look into that. And I think it's it's always good to see. I'm very much I don't very much like I have to paint something to make it look like the box or to make it mm. look like it should in the film. And it's always interesting to me to see people who've taken their own take on it and just gone with their own colour scheme. Mm. Um, I don't know why I've got that problem. <laughs> I just like to have it. It give, To me, it adds to the feel of the game is if yeah. it looks like it should. I'm not all that way. Like my Haradim, I've shifted them a bit because I wanted some more colour. And I, for me, I sort of like go to the books and if the book says, like in the books, it makes a real big deal about them using rich fabrics and having bright colours. So I was like, okay, that gives me permission to add in some purples. But yeah, I get where you're coming from. Okay, so we've spoken about the tournaments quite a bit, people at the tournaments. There's one more topic I want to touch on before we sort of move on to you as a player. And that is, um, like, the, the GBHL has basically been, um, you know, your your nursery, as it were, your introduction to the tournament scene. What do you think of the GBHL? Do you think it, it's, like, I... I got my opinions and i'm gonna share them after but so don't let me make it out like i'm leading you do you think it's a force for good do you think the organization helps do you think it creates standardization do you feel more confident going to an event when it's ran by the gbhl and would you encourage people to do the same as what you've done this year um i'm not too sure i haven't really felt the effects i don't think of having the gbhl there because i don't think i've been to any like non-GBHL mm. sort of tournaments. So I couldn't really comment on whether it makes it better or not. Mm. Um, obviously, having a standard approach is quite good. Mm. But I think even then, we've been to some tournaments where the positions are based on one way and we've been to another tournament where the positions are based on another. We've been yeah. to a tournament where it's diced down at the end. As soon as the timer finishes, that's it, diced down. Yeah, we've yeah. finished the rules... Uh, we've been where the time finishes it's finished that turn so it's standardised in a way but it's still not standardised where every tournament you go to is mm. when the timer finishes it's diced down and a bit like I think in 40k they sort of use chess clocks so you've got a set time and that's how you work out the time limit whereas mm. in the GBHL we, they don't seem to have a standard way of finishing a game yeah I mean I, th- I think in general um if we were to look on paper, what the GBHL offers is it's um, they have to offer a rules pack. Um, there has to be terrain on the tables. And please, people, write into the email address if I'm mi- missing something out here because I don't want to underplay the contribution. Yeah, they, it has to have terrain on the tables. Um, you have to have like first, second, third with with some sort of presentation. Um, there's li- There's limits and minimums, I think, on the cost of the tournament. Um, they have to do a slight sub to the GBHL. There's obviously the allocation of points. And if anything were to go drastically wrong at the tournament, it gives you access to the uh, GBHL complaints procedure so that they could, if in exceptional circumstances, possibly sanction a player or even a TO if, if they didn't do things. And I think the general idea is also if you go to a GBHL 100, They've hosted an 80 or a 90 before, you know, they've got some experience, whereas someone doing an 80 maybe be fresh, is fresh to the scene. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think, I mean, for me, I, I get what you're saying, but I, yeah, there's some things where it feels like there should be standardization. 
But it's almost like a um, what's called you know, uh, like a federal system, isn't it? Where okay, we're the GBHL. We've got like these ten rules you have to abide to. to but the states' rights TOs have got free play on like a lot of things, which has its ups and downs. Um, I think it is really good when someone's come up with a really unique rules pack. But I also get that yeah, it is. Especially when they've not been explicit. I think the ending of a game one is one that frequently comes up. Um, like I've heard so many players talk about, oh, I got caught out because the TO's interpretation of when the game should end was different from mine. That's, that is something Yeah, that's I think, and it's like, in those cases, I've heard people have been robbed of winning a tournament because mm. they've had two minutes left. Yeah. And two minutes is like, you don't really realistically want to start a new turn. Mm. But then you've been told, yeah, you have to start a new turn because mm. the time's not up. So I think, yeah, having that clarification would be good. I think as an outsider looking in sometimes, I think it's interesting to see who sort of feeds into the GBHL. Mm. And sometimes it, it seems, obviously, we've had that scandal uh, um, mm. and you, I expected more of a response around it from them. Mm. Um, but yeah, we've we've covered that in quite a lot of depth, and I don't think we need to hash over that old ground again. But yeah, I don't really feel their effects because I've not been to a non GBHL tournament to comment on if it's worse. Or if it's better. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're not going over that specific incident again. But we'll get on to that kind of topic about rules enforcement later on. It's something I do want to talk to you about. And your feeling as a fresh player. Because, you know, I've been in. I've got people I've spoken to. And I, I've formed opinions over the last two years. Yours are fresh. And I do think hearing, oh, right, here's a genuine fresh player with no biases... What do they think? I think that's something interesting to talk about. Um, because as the league gets bigger and bigger, there's going to be more fresh faces than there are experienced ones. Um, but yeah, for me, I think in general, the GBHL is a massive force for good. They've pushed, they've pushed the game. Uh, GBHL events seem to be much better attended. And I do like the fact that, you know, if you want to do a GBHL 100, all right, show us you can do an 80 or a 90 first. I think that's good. I think you're more like, like, not to put down non-GBHL events because my experience is limited there. I'm sure there's some people putting on some banging events independently. Um, but I do think you've got that reassurance. And I would encourage new players to probably go to GBHL 80s. Um, so when you did the Warhammer one with Chris, yeah. was that a GBHL? Or no, that, that wasn't Warhammer a GBHL event. So... I mean, that was uh, ran very, very good. I didn't hear of there needing to be any rules enforcement stuff. Um, but there were plenty of TOs around. Organization was really good. Um, I don't think I did a scoring thing on that, but if we had, it would have it would have done very well. Yeah. Um, it was. Re- it was. So re- what do you expect from 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 the Warhammer World events team? I think yeah, uh, it's up there with the best GBHL events. Um, and from what I've heard, you know, they don't care who you are, who you are. They don't care what your name is. They don't care where you've placed before. If you go beyond the rules, um, they will enforce it from what I've heard. Um, that doesn't seem to be an issue at all there because, you know, it's someone doing their job. They're literally being paid for it. Um, they're going to do it in an impassive professional way. 
Um, not to put the GBHL down there because people are doing it for free, and like, yeah, you and know, they're, they're doing yeah. the people that are doing it are obviously uh, doing a good job, and yeah. everyone's enjoying tournaments. I've not had a tournament where I've come away and gone, I'm not playing in a GBHL event anymore. Yeah, the the point so. I'm just making is that like when you're being paid for it, and it's literally your job. You're going to be more diligent. You're going to do things more by the book. Um, like you and I have both probably had situations at work where it's been like, look, I'm not putting the liability of blame on me. I'm going to do it as my manager says. Yeah. Um, and as he's written the rules or whatever. But yeah, so um, that is, yeah, GBHL, good thing, I think, on the whole. Uh, you, you agree? Yeah, with I that? agree. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's good to have that. Yeah. Because um, if we didn't have the GBHL, would we have a league of any sort? Because I don't no. think oh, that- there's a, a a want from the guys at Game Workshop to have a mm. a league like what we have. No, no. Uh, I, I I do think they are mostly responsible for the game still existing in its current form. With uh, albeit limited support, but the fact they are still at least putting out rules, I think that's because of the GBHL. I think the fact we're doing this podcast, we're attending tournaments, it's all thanks to the GBHL. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I saw some stupid stat that forty percent, forty six percent, I think, of stock is out of stock. Yeah, for Middle Earth stuff. So right, you, you, I, like determined to get onto further topics here. <laughs> we, we, we get onto them in a bit. No, but I'm, what I'm yeah. saying is there doesn't seem the support from. Game no. Workshop, but the GBHL are obviously they are enticing con- people to keep playing the game. Yeah, I and I genuinely think with like if all support were to uh, be pulled, I would really be worried about um, player made rule packs like um, creating the rules. And I, I think there would be competition. I think you would be one lot of people in one place being saying this is the rules and the other. I think that would be terrible unless everybody just said, "All right, we're freeze the rules as they are." I wouldn't look forward to player-made rules, but I do think that um, the community could more than survive. I don't think GBHL events would stop if Games Workshop support disappeared, at least for the next five years. Who knows what would happen? Maybe license goes somewhere else or whatever in five years. Maybe with this whole Amazon agreement with the 40K and fantasy (laughs) film series, maybe there's something in the pipeline for... The Lord of the Rings. I hadn't thought about I that. I know you don't like that series on Amazon, but it <laughs> might be inject some no, new enthusiasm I, and models into the no, I have, into I, the hobby. I absolutely slated it when I talked <laughs> about it. <laughs> There's no ambiguity there. But okay, so that's the GBHO everything covered. So yeah, I think that's been cool to get your opinion on that. So the next thing is more sort of introspective. How have you, as a player, uh, have you developed from like January to January? Because for me, I felt there was a big change in how I approached games, how I played games, and especially some of the tactics I employed. Yeah, I think I'm a lot more strategic in my games. Mm. And I think more of what the objective is for the game over just wanting to smash my opponent off the table. Yeah. I do concentrate a lot more on what the objective is for the game and play the objective and not the player. Mm. I think that's the biggest thing that I've changed is instead of playing the player or playing the army I'm playing, it's play the objective and play the objective to the strengths of my list and not necessarily mm. the weaknesses of my opponent's list. Yeah. I think that that's the biggest thing I've developed playing tournaments as a player. And I've, I think I've grown a, a better love for the game as well. 
Yeah. Because playing in a small, like we've got a small circle, it can get quite repetitive in terms of the games. And Mm -hmm. we've talked earlier today about how do we improve that for us so that we're playing more games with more variety. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, getting that experience playing other lists and that variety sort of keeps you interested in the game. Mm. Because I think it could become... It's one of those games where if you play in the same army and the same list, it can become very repetitive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it can play out very similar in the vast majority of scenarios. Um, I think because there's only a limited amount of scenarios. Yeah. When you look at 40k and Kill Team now... It is count. There's a lot of scenarios and the objectives change because you're drawing objective cards. Oh, uh, yeah, I think a new... I think maybe not like, oh, we're getting rid of tournament the tournament pack, but being like, okay, we have a tournament pack too. Yeah. Just so there's more variety. I think that would be good. Um, but I guess to do that properly, they probably need to do quite a bit of games testing is maybe the reason yeah. that hasn't been done. I think maybe introducing some... Like, when we've gone to tournaments where they've sort of introduced the secondary objectives with the cards. Yeah. I think that, that would be a good idea that I'd, in the next rule update is having maybe some objective cards or something that you can draw per game to sort of add that secondary sort of element to the game. I do think like having some, especially if they could, like for each army, having like themed secondary objectives. Uh, I think like you have in many other games, because it makes it, more things to think about yeah. um, uh, and more challenging for players that have maybe got used to their army. Like, you know, maybe like Rohan could have some sort of like overrun, like, uh, I don't know, wind up with, because like they're a cavalry force, a driving up thing, wind up with so many models in your opponent's deployment zone, yeah. like you get in 40k. Yeah. I think that could be cool. I'd, it would take a lot of thought and a lot of work to do it properly, but... Yeah, I think spicing up the competitive scene a bit, especially when you're not getting releases to force the meta to change. Yeah. I think that could be a good cost-effective yeah, way for so. them. Um, Maybe that's an idea where you push. <laughs> I don't know how we You heard it here that. first. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so, yeah, we've spoken about pretty much everything in review there. So... That's been the year in review. I think we've pretty much done everything. We may be at the end, depending on how long we're running, we'll talk about Games Workshop support, the the fair play thing that we we keep uh, batting around. Um, but let's look at your year moving forwards. So I guess there's a number of questions there. Like, you know, what are your aspirations in terms of tournaments? Are there particular ones you want to attend? Do you want to do a higher number, lesser number? New year, new army. How are you feeling on everything? Lay out for us, Ash. Yeah, so I think new year, new army. Mm. I'm not quite sure on the army just yet. I have to do thinking. Maybe have a look at maybe doing an evil army because I've got my good army. Mm. Um, maybe Easterlings or some form of Mordor list. Um, I think tournament-wise, maybe similar amount. I think we sort of... Got a good medium of how many we did. It wasn't like every weekend. It wasn't like I think I did too many. Yeah, I think I did six across the year. Yeah, I think was there one you did. There was one I didn't attend to, wasn't there? Hmm. Um, so five, five or six, I think, is a good number for us to do. Um, maybe a couple more if we get the time. I yeah, I'd I'd like to bump the number up to maybe eight or ten. I can't see myself 
finding the time to do more than that. Um, no, yeah, because yeah. we've obviously Tenth coming out with 40k, and I quite like how Tenth is sort of played at the minute. I'd like to play more of an even mix of Middle Earth and Tenth mm. 40k. So, yeah, I think six maybe is a good a- good aim for me. Yeah, yeah, just to get out a bit on the weekends and play those games. Maybe mainly 90s and 80s, I think. Yeah. Might try 100 if there's if it sounds like a good one and it's in a good location. Um, but yeah, New Army, I think. Um, play more games. Um, not just every so often, but play more games maybe every couple of weeks and stuff. Yeah. Maybe go and find a local club to go and play games at. Um but yeah, definitely play more games, try different lists within our our games to see which one suits before just diving straight into a certain list. So any thought before we delve into some of the stuff we've been talking about, like more games and games clubs and stuff, any ideas on armies? Because I've got a couple of ideas for armies for you if you were open. I quite like I do like the Dragon Emperor list. Mm. Um but that's again I'm trying not to go down the theme list like I did last time. Mm. I went with Roran because I like the theme. I like that it's like a mix of like Viking, Saxon mm. sort of theme. And they are like one of my favourite aspects of the, the trilogy. The Eastlings are Viking, Saxon? No, the Rohan. Oh, Rohan, sorry. I'm yeah, saying, so, yeah, but yeah. then I really like the, the Eastlings because it's like that Oriental samurai. Yeah, yeah. Um, Scale armour and all yeah. that. Yeah. But... I don't yeah. want to go down that. I want to go down something that's competitive, and I think Dragon Emperor is competitive. But I don't want to just limit myself. So the thing that I think try a few armies on Tabletop Simulator maybe and see what I've, I sort of gel with. Yeah, one of the things that puts me off about the Dragon Emperor is like uh, I've obviously got a lot of things going on this year in terms of trying to move house and uh, family plans and, and, and things like that. And there's only so much I can spend on the hobby, and I really. I really don't want to spend like, what is it, like 130 quid with the Black Dragon dismounts on the Forge World model. Because that's probably, for like models, that's probably 25%, if not more, of my entire budget for the year. Um, and then if I buy a proxy, I can't, because uh, I've got many of the other models, like I've got the cataphracts, I've got the infantry, you know, there's not a lot more I need to buy. It would mean I'd have a whole army, which because of one model, I can't take to GW or Articon yeah. events, and that would suck. That's yeah. one of the things that puts me off. Um, it's a very expensive model. Um, yeah. But I always do spend a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we always spend up and wind up <laughs> spending more than we mean. But I, fr- I just wish they'd stop bringing out Dark Angels in 40k, and I'd stop being <laughs> so tempted by that. Yeah. Um, so it's like they push us with these drugs every week <laughs> to just keep buying new stuff. Well, it's yeah. Don't think about painting them. Don't think about playing them. Just consume. Yeah. Just buy more models. <laughs> that is their business practice. That I mean, they can't do it any other way, do they? They need us to keep buying stuff. Yeah. Um. But on to some ideas I had for maybe possible armies. Um. So like, just giving you an idea of some of the ones I was thinking. So I'll, I'll pick up on my my desk here. I know uh, the listeners can't see, but I've been working on my Witch King of Angmar on Felbeast made to order. Yeah. Um. Because I'm gonna do a Mordor list basically because I only need to paint about half the army. I need to do the Witch King. I've got some uh, Black Numenorians on the way. 
um, and some Morgul Stalkers, and then I've got everything else for the army. So relatively low cost because I've got these things. Yeah, I guess I've got the Witch King on Felbeast from mm. um, Planor Fields yeah. box set, and I've got some more Moranan Orcs. Well, the one I so. w- the one I was going to get at is maybe a Helm's Guards list. Because um, I think that is maybe not a hundred event, but I think that's quite a competitive list that you could use like half your army. Yeah. You, you can have um, Riders of Rohan in it. You can have um, uh, Royal Guard in it. You obviously got all the dismounts. All you'd really need to add is Grimbold, uh, and then paint some guys with maybe red shields or something as Helmingas. I'm not sure how they're uh, identified, which they get strength four. And you basically get to use all your uh, throwing spears as spears when you're in the shield wall. Yeah. Um, so that's a more flexible. Helm Helmhammerhand as well for that list. No, no. Uh, oh, sorry, I said Helm's Guard, didn't I? Theodred's Guard. Theodred's Guard. I meant okay. Theodred's Guard. That's a really interesting horde list because Theodred on a horse, I think, costs like ninety or ninety-five points. And yeah, you need to surround him to make sure he doesn't charge because he always charge charges. But um, then you can have um, yeah Grimbold to access the strength four guys. So you've got defense five across the board, uh, which is really points efficient. You can possibly have strength four across the board, which is really good. You've got spears, you've got throwing spears. It's like uh, maybe ultimate uh, spear wall is going too far, but a very strong spear wall because you've got those throwing spears. Yeah. Um, I think that's a cool list, one to consider, because like with my Mordor list, you only really need to do half an army. So that was an idea I thought for you. The other one I thought about is Ash has recently got a 3D printer. So I'm trying to encourage him to basically print a Arnor list for both him and me. Because I think that could well, be... Well, you say new. recently. I've had it since April. Yeah, last yeah. Year, so. He's barely touched it. <laughs> it's still in... I've still got the washer in the box. If, if it was a pet, it would have died of neglect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um... But yeah, I've been trying to push that because I think that could be... Yeah, we can't take it to uh, GW endorsed events, but I'm not paying the insane amounts of money it would take to get a second-hand one. Yeah. Um, I think Arnor could be cool. Like We did play that in a practice game, didn't we? Yeah, it's, it's got some interesting it's mechanics. It's got some interesting mechanics, and I think if you ever come up against Agmar's... Mm. Angmar, sorry. Yeah. Um, it's, it's quite powerful because it's got that hatred yeah. rule. Um, it has a, it's limited on mobility because it's all people on foot. Yeah. Um, I think I do like the idea of a men of the West list as well. Although, I think that's quite cool. I don't think it's very good, of, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that could be a fun one. Aragorn to play. acting as a banner, giving plus one fight skill. Yeah, that could be cool. So, at eighties, yeah. It's yeah. I think I'd like to do something new. Hmm. Get out of the Rohan sort of theme. So. Well, on the topic of something new, we've spoken about playing new game, uh, more games and with new people and stuff. So one of the things me and Ash are going to, it's primarily to run a kill team campaign that we want to run every two weeks. But we're going to, the important part of it is we're intending to meet up at least twice a month to play games. Um, and we've been batting the idea around of maybe if we played Lord of the Rings, every time we played Lord of the Rings, you've got to bring a different army, even if it's proxying in. I think that's one of the things that's been missing from our practice. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think because we've just stuck to our go-to lists, um, I think, yeah, we just need to mix that up and get ready for the the first tournament we go to and 
hopefully by then we've decided on a on a list. Yeah, I, I mean, I think even just being like, there's plenty of armies that I've I struggle to think of any I haven't played. I'm sure there's one or two, but even if you've played one army once, I think just being like, all right, I'm going to copy that list and I'm going to play a game against Sunny uh, with that list and then playing it once. I think your knowledge of that list would skyrocket just off that one game. It would make such a difference. Yeah. Um, just because of the way that how initial learning... You look into the rules more as well. And yeah. And think, oh, yeah. boy, I'd play this rule this way. So. so that's something we're going to do. I think we've really been like, let's just get super at this list. But, you know, it's the the, the Sun Tzu uh, thing, isn't it? Like, you know, know your enemy better than you know yourself. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe that is naively um, part of the equation we've missed. Um, and we can't just wait for those armies to turn up. I think we need to play them at home. Yeah, I think um, so. Because uh, that, and that'll prevent you from sort of that got your feeling. Yeah. Because you've played that list, you know the rule set behind the list. Mm. Someone's not going to come and pop out a stupid rule that does a stupid thing and yeah. puts you off your game a bit. So, yeah, I think definitely worth sticking with that plan and the the other thing that uh, Ash mentioned is we're, we're thinking about go, well we are going to go play at some games clubs so we've got Bedworth uh, on our table uh, sorry uh, on our doorstep and we've also got Tamworth which is an area I'm thinking about moving to there's, there's a games club there there's some guys I go to uh, work with uh, that uh, attend there so um, hopefully sooner rather than later, but maybe it winds up being a midway through the year thing, depending on how my move goes. But we're we're looking to attend a gaming club and make that more of a regular thing for us and um, engage with the local scene rather yeah. than uh, being totally isolated in our, our little. I know, yeah, I think maybe there's a few scenes as well in around Birmingham that aren't yeah. too far because there's a local shop. Yeah, I think we've so, just got to stop being a, a little bit lazy and, and get yeah. out there and be a bit more yeah. social. Well, yeah, there's no reason we can't. Like, I've been in that WhatsApp group for ages for Bedworth. There's no reason we can't just be like, oh, there's two of us coming. Can we get you know get yeah. a, a, a game going? And I, I think that will help our our learning astronomically. I do. I do think it's something like we've been so focused on. Oh, let's attend more tournaments and let's do practice games for tournaments with those armies. But I just think. We've left the social side behind a bit and yeah, we haven't le- really focused on, well, how can we play more games locally? More games, Not more... Not necessarily va- play more tournaments, but yeah. how do we play... More games, more variables. Yeah. Like, I think even just playing scenario games, just being like, all oh, right, this is a situation that doesn't come up very often. What can we learn from that? Um, I, yeah, I think we've... We are continuing to learn, but we could be learning twice as much in the same amount of time. Yeah, I guess. And we're missing the aspect of like, like we're looking at with Kill Team, we're doing that crusade where it's forty-eight missions across the year. We're missing that aspect of Middle Earth as well, where we're not really playing those sort of theme games Mm. that also add that extra layer of learning because you're playing in a in a scenario that's more of a themed scenario. I think if we join the club as well, you know, who knows, maybe somebody's running an escalation league or something like that. Do you know what that is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. where you start out at 200 and then the next game's 400. Then the idea is basically, you know, new year, new army in a league format of, right, everybody's got to turn up with 200 points painted and by the end you're playing 800 point games yeah. and there's a league that goes with it to encourage people to play. I think that would be right up our street. Yeah, I think and so. if they're running that twice a month, that's 
that's something we could possibly fit in. Yeah, the individual meetups would have to be sacrificed a bit, but we could do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm really hopeful for the next year. Like, just going to continue to develop. And uh, I, I think there was a bit mid year, it felt like almost a bit of a lull in terms of enjoyment. I don't know about you. I don't. Yeah, I think because we didn't have that other focus, because mm. we were sort of. There's no point playing 40k because we hated ninth. Yeah. <laughs> we sort of started getting into kill team a little bit. Yeah. I think around that point. Um, and then obviously we had this injection of 10th and it's sort of, we've had that step away a bit, I guess, from the hobby. Yeah. Um, it has been, it and has... we've had a lot of stuff happening personally and yeah. it's just been crazy. Whereas this year sort of my resolution is at least get all of my space marines painted in 40k, start a new middle earth army, just generally do more hobby in, in a whole. I think more, more, more games, more fun. Um, yeah. Like playing Kill Team, where we're both completely naff at it. We're probably the worst Kill Team players in the world because it's a brand new game to us. And it's been liberating because I don't care if I win or lose. And that, you know, I am a competitive person, but I do think I need to be like, who cares? Let's just put a list together. I want to see uh, Boromir doing some cool things. I want to be like screaming because I've, uh, I've, I've duffed the dice or whatever. Let's just have fun with it. And. I do think that there's learning as a competitive player to be done there as well, of taking it less seriously yeah. in the practice games. Go back to the roots of why you joined yeah. the hobby, and it's to have for me mates rolling dice. And we, we've always played 40k and Kill Team for fun, never competitively. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that's and Maybe that's what took away the enjoyment of the Middle Earth, is we started going to these tournaments, and we wanted to, because we're both competitive people, we want to hmm. win, and we want to go to these things and do well. Yeah, I, th- I guess what we're getting at there is that the practice, the learning, doesn't have to be serious. Yeah. Um, I think even at a tournament, though. Yeah. I've had the best games where I've just sort of, it's the end of the day, I've, I know I'm not in the contention to win, and I've just sat, sat back and just enjoyed the game. Yeah, I mean, certainly. But, I mean, the the only thing I would hold back on saying there is that, like, when I was at Grantham and I got to game three and I'm unbeaten and game four and I'm unbeaten. Like game four was really chill. I forget the chap's name, but it was a really nice game. We're both playing competitively, but you can't, if you do want to do well and it's that tight a margin, you can't turn off. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. You can be relaxed, but you yeah. can't turn off. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. Don't turn off, but just enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that is a a good perspective um, for the next year. Like, I, I'm excited for it. I, this, this hobby is so great. There's other things I want to be getting up to during the year, but uh, yeah, th- this is certainly one of them, and I'm going to continue to make time for it. So I think we've got time for maybe a couple more topics, and then we're going to wrap it up, because we were intending about an hour. We're at about an hour now, so we give ourselves maybe... 20 minutes absolute maximum maybe we cut it short but we'll we'll see how we go so one more yeah i I think we've got time for one more topic really because we we want to play some games of uh of kill team after this not lord of the rings i'm I'm sorry this afternoon but we're doing something a bit different but yeah so one of the topics that has been sort of a, a theme for the podcast for a few episodes and, you know, we will put this down and we'll move on to other things at, at some point. But it's something we're going to circle back round to because I think it's something me and Ash are both quite passionate about 
is the idea of sportsmanship and fair play because the fa- of the fact this game needs to be played in a, in a spirit of goodwill, else it becomes horrible. Like we've all had those games where the other person hasn't had the same intent, and it's just like you know what you know. It's, especially if you're not playing for uh, a podium finish or a top five finish, we've all felt like just being like you know if it's that important to you, mate, take the twelve nil. I don't, I don't want to finish the game. I haven't ever done that, but I've certainly felt it. Um, now. Yeah, so we're going to delve into that. We're not going to go into the Articon and things. We've spoken about that more than enough. And I don't think uh, Ash's view is too far removed from mine. It felt, no, I think it's quite similar. And- yeah, you know, we, we came to a similar consensus. We've spoken about that in, a, in our own time. But I do think that there is, uh, and this is why I want to get Ash's view on it, because He's a fresh player. This is his first year in it. And as I've mentioned earlier, the league has expanded to 1,500 players. If it expands at the same rate, we're going to be looking at 2,000 next year. Maybe to, you know, it could grow astronomically. We really don't know. I would expect that it would continue to grow at a rate because you've got more people telling their friends about it and it just spreads and spreads and spreads. Um, and as more people come in, more people are going to come in. They're going to have fresh opinions. They're not going to be part of the existing social gr- groups. And if the people that are the current centre now don't shift, they could very well find themselves in the m- minority opinion in five years. So I think it is always important to listen to new people coming in. Just like if you're at work and you hire someone, if you don't listen to the, don't listen to them and their opinion, and you say, "Look, you're new," it, it, you don't get to have an opinion on it. They will go somewhere else, or in this case, they set up their own club, um, and that's how things could fracture. Uh, I mean, look at uh, 40k. There's many different tournament organizations and we probably don't want that because it's great that we all play in the same place so i'm going to make a pitch and then i'm going to let ash talk because you guys have heard me talk on this a lot you don't need to hear more of the same opinions i'm going to get into his but my general opinion is that um there does need to be some coordination in terms of across the board rules enforcement at tournaments because a lot of it is very dependent on the TO. And I know that that is just a byproduct of the way that the TO does need to be responsible for the tournament. But sometimes I've heard about quite large differences of opinion in terms of interpretation of the rules, and particularly when games end. And in cases of uh, things being escalated... I honestly haven't heard of any situations where anything has been done about it. Um, like I, I can't think of any. I, I, I've heard many stories about things going wrong, nothing about anything being done about it. And I do think that is meant to be one of the key attractions of the GBHL. So for that not to be a visible part of it in a transparent way, which I think is important for people to see that justice, quotation marks, has been done, um, I do think that's something that's lacking. Um, and I do think this attitude of, oh, I've played that person or I know that person or they're from my local games club. I do think that from my perspective, for new players from myself and others coming in, it does appear that rules enforcement can sometimes be quite clicky 
of oh no, they know what they're they know what they're doing. Like you know, I, I've actually had people that are friends with the pe- person I'm playing lean over and be like, oh, I'm a t- I was a TO at a different event. I'm friends with them. They're telling you the truth, and I'm like, well, you're not working at this event. And I think that's an example. So that's my pitch. That's sort of my opinion. Um, Ash, have at it. What What do you think? Yeah, I think. On that last point, I've had similar experiences. Mm. So one that sticks out to me is um, at the last tournament we went to, um, we were playing a game where it was, is it Lords of Battle, where you have to kill, you get points for killing enemy models. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, having Rohan, you then get points for killing the rider and the horse. Um, And the guy was... Rolling to kill the rider, killing him, and then having some dice left, he then rolled to kill the horse. Yeah, which you can't do. And which you can't do, you have to kill the horse first and then the rider. Um, so his, I questioned it and said, no, I think you have to kill the horse first. He was like, no, 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 the rule is I get to decide when I do what. Mm-hmm. He had a friend lean over and said, yeah, yeah, he's, t- he's, that's the way it should be played. Inexperience, which like, just interact, which may not even been malicious. That may just be how they play it at home. Yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. could be how they yeah. play it at home, but um, it's it right not have yeah. been. Yeah. And from what I've been told about that person, it was probably more the latter. Okay. <laughs> um, and even though I think I've got a good relationship with Tom, who was the TO for the tournament, mm. as a new player, I still didn't feel that comfortable in saying, "No, let's just hold the game a minute." Can I just get the TO because I think that's wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a bit of badness on my behalf because I should have had stopped being a little baby and mm. actually just stood up for myself. Yeah. But then it's like someone you feel cheated out of the game when you then ask people you know and ask the TO after is this how this rule should be played? So, but even then, I still think well that's a learning experience for me. I know yeah. how to play that rule. I can question it in the future. And I can I can say no. This is how it should be played. Mm. Pull the P the TO over. Um, again, another a similar situation where I spoke out a bit before was I had a line of royal guard, three uh, riders across, three riders deep, and I always put my banner and feared them behind them. Yeah, because they're protected. Um, and the guy shot through and he said, no, I've got line of sight because I can see through all the horses um, to get to your banner. I don't need to roll in the wave. Mm. Again, he was wearing a Jeep, um, like a, an England top from yeah. playing in an England tournament. So as a new player, you, you don't feel quite comfortable with questioning him because you think, oh, well, he's experienced. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and then when you speak to people after, they're like, no, no, no that should have in the ways and you think, oh God, you kick yourself a bit yeah. for not questioning it. So I think you do see as well, like a lot of certain players who tend to have the problems, they're turning up to tournaments, they're, they're very pally-pally with the TO. I think because the scene is so small, that's obviously quite hard to to um, avoid. So going back to that top experience with, a top player. Uh, sorry, that experience with that top player. I mean, I mean, how did that make you feel? Is that something that could have realistically put you off at future tournaments, or is that overplaying it? Like, how you know, just expand I mean, on that. It, Try and put yourself it would in. Put the- me off playing a yeah. hundred again. Yeah, 
Um, but then that, that sort of issue was then compounded at that tournament because it turned out uh, we submitted our scores. The TO fought, put me down as winning. When I didn't, I lost. Mm. So then I ended up having to play um, a list I wasn't meant to play um, and then ended up playing that list three times in the same weekend. And it's just like, if that mistake from the TO hadn't happened, I probably maybe would have then gone on and maybe played someone mm. I could have possibly won against and mm. it could have changed my position in the tournament. And then when you raised it with the TO, he said, okay, well, I'll move you down because you should have lost and I'll kick you out of the, the group you're in. Um, and then I ended up ended up in, in the bottom group. And to, to it, be, uh, it, it On was, that specific instance, because uh, we're doing two things there, there's the top player instant and then there's the TO. There's somebody I know who is now one of the regional reps for the GBHL. In fairness, he did suggest that you complain to the GBHL about that TO experience. Yeah. So who who knows? We, we you didn't decide to do that. So just in fairness, them something may or may not have been done about that. We don't yeah. Know. I can't comment mm. on what the GBHL would have done there. Yeah. Um, and TOs have it hard. They've got to manage a lot of people, and They're, I think yeah. From what we've we've seen at those tournaments, there is certain players who want the TO sitting on their table and mm. making judgments on every single rule. And I think again. Because this is a community, a lot of people built on a lot of people having friendships. I think when you go to a tournament, the TO, TO will know a lot of people at that tournament because mm. that's how he's sort of advertised it. Is he's gone to his his friends and said, or oh, the local gaming club he maybe plays for, oh, I'm going to run a tournament. Do you fancy coming? And that's how it it gets and- there. And then you hear other stories like, um with the dice down play on rule where someone at the top table, they're best friends with the TO or they're friends with the TO and the TO's ruled in their favour because they're sort of, well, they can't accuse people of being favouritism, but it seems sometimes there is that element in there, which human instinct, why wouldn't you sort of favour your friend over someone you don't really know? But it does, I mean, that is the point is that people who are in charge of rules enforcement, whether it's at the GBHL or at a tournament, that they need to be passive on that. They need to look at the information that is available to them. Okay, I've got these two, uh, I've got, you know, this person that's been accused of this. I've got this person doing the accusing. Do I have any witnesses? What did that per? What did the accused person say? Did the what did the accuser say? What have what have I got on the table in front of me? It needs to be evidence based, doesn't it? It goes without saying. Yeah. For it to yeah, and I think have any benefit, you could sort of maybe a, an enforcement could be you have an independent rules official that comes for the tournament that isn't from that local club. Maybe that would obviously carry cost, but yeah, yeah I yeah. think. You got to remember these people are doing it for free. Well, like, one of the things they're not going to maybe be as stringent like you say if they'd done it, if they were doing it and they were paid and it was like a bit of a a side job that they were doing. Well, one of the things that um so on the was it last podcast um I shared a video um by a chap called Stephen Box who I think you know of does the Vanguard tactics yeah, stuff. Yeah. So obviously that's forty k, but when you know, I haven't liked everything he's ever said, and I'm, 
I'm not sure we would even get on if we met. Um, if I'm being honest, but I think he is a big advocate for fair but, play. Yeah, he is a massive making advocate. 40k because 40k I, is known as that really sweaty gaming. Yeah, I'm just saying he's maybe not even my kind of person, but I do think he says a lot of sense on fair play. And basically, he did this interview and he was talking about the standard of fair play he holds himself to. And like he gave an example of where he played a rule wrong innocently on a new army he was using. And he found out in game four of a six-game tournament, and he went to the TO and said, I have played this rule wrong for the last four games. I want you to nullify my tournament points because we don't know what effect it, yeah. it could have had. And what some of the things he was suggesting, which I think could possibly be good for Middle Earth and would get rid of a lot of the concerns we've discussed here, is he sort of suggested, okay, if you've got an opponent and you say to him, oh, you've been, you've played that rule wrong, you know, um, like, like with the horses, like say you got on top of that and you're like, you played that rule wrong. At the end of the game, you just go to the TO and you say to them, look, I don't want to cause a fuss about it, but just for like your rules notebook or enforcement notebook, this player played this rule wrong. Um, just so you know, I think it was innocent, but you can note that down. So that if that comes up again, you know, yeah. I, they've People, been corrected. Yeah. There is a hard record of, oh, that person did that there. And then maybe that record can be transferred to the GBHL. And if that comes up at another tournament, you can be like, wait, hang on. That player was corrected on that rules infringement at this tournament uh, two weeks ago. They're still playing it wrong. Yeah, they're still playing it wrong. And the same for, like, you know, anything really. If somebody is consistently being accused of slow play, if somebody is consistently getting um, ties against people they know when it's uh, preferable for them. You know, you can take out the ambiguity on all these situations by making it evidence-based. And I thought that was a good idea. I haven't spoken to you about it. What no, do you yeah, think? I think as well in 40K, like, mm. Stephen Box, is, his, like, I guess, livelihood is made from 40K. Mm. And these guys are getting... The tournaments they're paying in, they're, they're winning prize money. So... For him to go at the end and say, I've played this rule wrong, mm. that's sort of affecting his livelihood, if you like. And it, there's a lot more at stake in those games. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, Middle Earth, it's, it's not really that deep because if you win the league, I don't know, what do you get for winning the league? Just the, a trophy. The trophy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you get that pride and that, mm. that good feeling, but it's, it's not that deep at the end of the day. And I think, yeah, if people keep consistently breaking rules and someone spoke to them and said, this is how you're meant to play this rule, mm. you've broken it in this game, um, you sort of on a warning, and if it consistently happens at other tournaments, then that person needs to be brought up on it yeah. from, a, from a higher level, I guess. And I, I, I think in a world where like, I've never heard anybody talk about the gaming community we have and be like, oh, it's toxic, it's terrible, whatever. Everybody, including us, says the vast majority of people out there are great. So I do think if pe- if there was some kind of record like this of, oh, it's just been mentioned, without accusation, it would create a system of there's no smoke without fire. If you consistently having someone accused of something by this lovely community... You've either then got to be like, all right, is there a vendetta against them? All right, if it's a vendetta, is there evidence of that? Yeah, because or- if, it, if it's getting to that point where it's at that top competitive level yeah. and second place and first place, one of them is getting complained about a lot of, by somebody, Yeah, 
do those people have ties with the top place person and they just want to yeah. prevent that person from taking the top spot? But you could you could figure that out quite quickly by... We all have to use Facebook for the tournaments. You could see whose people's common friends are. You yeah. could see who they're hanging out. Like, a little bit of investigation could make this system almost foolproof. And I, I just thought it was a really good idea that... Um, and I'm, I think I'm going to start doing it, uh, and I'm going to encourage people to do it. Um, is if something goes wrong without accusation, just mention it to the TO. Uh, it's something I'm going to start doing, and I'm going to try and make sure every tournament, both for my education and the benefit of the other player, because they're probably a lovely player who doesn't want to cheat anyone. If I'm in doubt about a rule, I'm going to call the TO over so we can both learn and get it correct. Yeah, yeah. and it sounds like if we do, if they don't start doing something like that. Middle Earth could end up being like how 40k was before people like Stephen Box and other yeah. people started being more advocates for fair play and the rules started being enforced more and it was a lot less. Mm. And the, 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 yeah, and I don't, we're not like a cesspit like 40k was accused of being at one point. I do think this is great, but as I said on a previous podcast, why can't it be even better? Like you know, let's maintain. Let's not just maintain. Let's continue to make this the best place in the world to play middle earth strategy battle game. And one of the things that I recently saw in, in an interview that actually concerns me a bit is the attitude of some people of like almost suggesting that people like me and Ash shouldn't have the right to an opinion on this kind of stuff. Like it was actually ironically the the player we're not going to name names on it, but the player you were talking about with the Rohan situation. Okay. I saw an interview with him, and he he basically said, like, you know, why are other people in the community, other players that aren't top players, having opinions on the conduct of top players? It's nothing to do with you. Because, but everyone's due to opinion. Yeah. And I think, well, it, obviously it, 40k got that bad rap, but look at the numbers of people who play 40k versus Middle Earth. Mm. You're bound to have less crappy people because you've got less people well it's 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 like yeah you see it in society where there's a certain minority of people some of that minority misbehave the whole of that minority gets gets labeled as horrible Hmm. um you see it all the time but the bigger that number of people the more you're going to have that minority but then people just focus on that minority and we don't want the game to go that way. I, I also think as well, like it's a very backwards way of thinking that maybe because you don't have a chance of winning the league, that you shouldn't have an opinion on the top players. Because no. like if we look at sport, which this is you know, it's a league, it's competition. If we look at sport, the top players, the top drivers, the top teams, they lead the way in terms of conduct. For everybody else, because you've then got those mid-tier players who are like, oh, I want to be top tier, so I'm going to do that. If that's what it takes to get an advantage, I'm going to do that. Then you've got the lower tier players uh, where we probably sit being like, oh, that was done to me. That's unfair. I'm not going to go to a GBHL 100 like you said. Yeah. Or, oh, is that what it takes to compete? I'm going to do it and, and, and so on. Like, I think a good example is like me and Ash are both fans of the NFL. Look at um, with Philadelphia, with the um, the brother, uh, brotherly shove or yeah. whatever it is. I do it on the one yard line. Like everybody's doing it. Everybody's being like, oh, this is poor sportsmanship. This is rubbish. I don't like it. Everybody's doing it because yeah. there's an advantage in it. Um, and yeah, and those yeah. top people, 
like they shouldn't be coming out with comments like that. Mm. They should be say like encouraging new people to come into the game because it makes it more competitive. Well, I don't think they were discouraging new people. They were just basically being you like, don't have an you, you know have an opinion. You, you're not in the title. Uh, you, you're you're not in the top twenty. You're nowhere near the title race. Yeah. Why have you got an opinion on it? But the other thing is, is like you know, in Premier League. You've got the person in the title race. You've got the person in the relegation race. They still play each other twice a year. You've played top players. I've played top players. We still got to play them. Yeah. Um, and we still if we look at the country. Like if we said, uh, okay, only top twenty percent of earners can comment on how much tax everyone pays. Yeah. Everyone at the bottom is going to be like, no, you can. So yeah, a, a, a league is all of its constituent parts. It's not just the top ten percent. And I think conduct, particularly, I think conduct at the top tables is probably the most important place to place attention on sportsmanship. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I've seen a couple of other publications suggest that this person at the top is um, the, uh, what's it called, you know, the, the example of fair play. Yeah. Um, and maybe they are sometimes when they're playing against certain people. But I, I actually thought, with that Stephen Box interview, it's the first time I've been like, wow, that is a level of sportsmanship above what I would do. Yeah, because he's yeah. ranked to quite a high top yeah. player in the league, but you don't just see it with him. Like, um, the guy who owns Glass, Glass Hammer Gaming, mm. like, you see interviews with him or how he talks, and he's like, they're all those top players in 40k. They're becoming the advocates for fair play. Mm. And that, that trickles down. So, I mean, we I, sort of yeah. look to the top players and say, come on, take what we're saying and listen. Be I, those role models. I mean, I have had rules connect, uh, corrected and I didn't go and say, look, I want you to take tournament points off me or I want you to disallow them. I didn't do that. I just was like, all right, I'm going to fix this. And maybe it is extreme, but I do think if you are going to be held up as an example of fair play, maybe you have got to be extreme. And it's the first time I've thought, okay, I can better myself. I can... Yeah. Be more uh, sportsmanly. I can have, you know, uh, if that happens in future, and I think it's affected the games, I'm going to go talk to the TO. Um, yeah, and I think you'd get a lot more respect. Maybe yeah. not in our in this community by the sounds of it, but no, I think if you're at no, the top, no, no. you would get more respect from the people who are looking up to be the top players. No, I, I disagree about the respect. I like the feedback I got from talking about the controversy. Most people were thinking exactly like we are. Yeah. Um, it's just that I, I do think that there's some people that are doing what it takes to win. And yeah. uh, and what Stephen did, like saying disavow those games, integrity will capital I. Being a, a, that is putting your money where your mouth is of sacrificing your performance because it's more important to you to be a good, good sportsman. Person, yeah. A good sportsman, yeah. And, and at the end of the day, that's what life is about if yeah. If you end up in a grave, if you've been a good person, that that's people what people remember that. They don't remember how many tournaments you've won it in Middle Earth. Well, it's yeah, and uh, and alt- well, uh, you know, we can all have our aims. I want to win a tournament, whether people talk about it after I'm dead or not. It's isn't, really, isn't really important. No, I don't it, think it, they'll be talking no, about no, you in a it, nice it, way, but it's a, it's a it's a hobby, but yeah, I think how you win it and what kind of yeah. player you are is far more important than just winning it. I would like, rather go to a tournament mm. and lose a couple of games, but know I've played the game for fun and I've been a nice person and I've been 
I've stuck to my morals of fair play. Well, I can't, I, I can't imagine going to an event and walking away with a prize or a member of my team working, walking away with a prize or, or whatever, you know, have helped in a non-okay way and not looking at that and being like, God, that, that's an example of me not at my best. Uh, what value is there in that? And um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a good chat on this topic and something for us to all, all think about and aspire to. And like like I said last time when we was talking about the Stephen Box thing, um, really interested to know your your thoughts on this. Write to us at middleearthinmercia at gmail dot com. Uh, you can also message us on uh, Facebook. Uh, me and Ash both have uh, Instagram. Um, I'm at Lord of Hykra. Uh, that's Hykra is spelt H Y. Uh, I need to remember R K A. Uh, Ash, what's your your Instagram? Um, at Filthy Northerner, <laughs> and that's probably spelled wrong because he's from the north. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, you can find all our latest hobby uh, progress on there. But if you do have any thoughts on the, on this chat or anything we've been over, really interested to uh, hear from you all. It's nice to open a dialogue rather than this just be a bubble. Um, but I think we've got an interesting perspective there from Ash. He's, he's a new player, you know. I think this is the most important perspective in terms of the community growing. Like we've said, if we get 500 new people, that's possibly 500 people thinking the way Ash is thinking about certain things. And it sometimes it does take someone to come in with a new perspective and be like, all right, we didn't mean for things to get like this. We didn't mean for it to be interpreted like that. But... It's like communi- like what they say about communication. It's not just about what you say. It's about how it's heard. And if the person on the other end is hearing something different than what you intended to say, your communication is failing. And I do think that is a, a, a point to take home, really, from here. Like Ash has said directly, there's a couple of things I'd be put off going to. And I think that's really bad. Um, I mean, I, I felt bad because I was the one that encouraged us to go to the GBHL 100 and I wanted us all to have a good time. And I think the chances of us going to another one, unless it's got a cool hook, like you said, Ash, um, are probably quite low. Um, so that's a shame. Yeah. And if someone's m- more timid or uh, they've um, you know, maybe not got a circle of friends like us to go with, maybe that feeling would be stronger. I know for others it it might be waters or a lot might be water off a duck's back, but there you go. So, uh, any closing thoughts, Ash? Before we wrap this one up, no, yeah, I just think we're coming as the hobby grows. We could start to see anarchy and maybe a competitive <laughs> league against the GBHL if if we're not too careful. Um, some of the biggest things in history have always been caused by someone having an opposing view and branching out so we could maybe see that that league and I think that would be bad because the hobby in scale of relativeness is is quite small having that fractured one league and another league might just make it not as competitive 
um, in a sense. But it yeah. would be a shame to see. But and just to, in case anybody gets suspicious, to head off. We're in no way going to start another league. We do no. we don't no. have time for that. The <laughs> I don't have time. For that. <laughs> I don't have time for this podcast. <laughs> there is zero chance of that happening. In case anybody thought that was a suggestion, <laughs> uh, we'd like to run a tournament at some point. But I think we're going to take about two years of planning for us to do that. We might get declined now. <laughs> I don't think on paper we've done anything wrong. We've just got opinions. But yeah, all right. So thank you, everyone. I think that's been a really good chat. We're going to go have uh, some uh, food now and uh, play a few games. Uh, And as I always say, I hope you find some time for the hobby and uh, some time to roll some dice out there. Uh, Ash, anything to say? No, just catch you all later, guys. All right, cheers, everyone. Bye.